Steve. Good to see you on another Cherries in Focus. How you doing? Yeah, very well, mate. Thanks for having me back on again. And yeah, let's let's get into it. James Musselwhite, good to have you back on another episode as well. How you doing? I'm resplendent. It's a joy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Someone's got a big word, isn't he? Love it. Absolutely love it. And Aaron, also good to see you back on the channel. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me on again, as as always. So we're going to talk about Liverpool and Manchester City. Last week, we kicked off in the Carabao Cup after that good win in the Premier League against Burnley. And we had an opportunity to progress in the League Cup because it was opening up if you got through that round. We didn't quite get through the round, guys. I thought we put up a credible performance, but it did take a Darwin Nunes goal to seal it for Liverpool in the League Cup against us again. That's like 3-0 to them now over those competition games. James was a good performance, though. I think every fan walked away from that, probably seeing the best sort of overall performance that we were hoping to see from Andoni Iriola. And he did switch up a little bit. Four changes, I think. Alex Scott was in there. Justin Clivert got his appearance and a goal. It was a good performance. We'll break it down a little bit further, but it ultimately was a loss in the League Cup. Yeah, it ends It ends our, our dream of reaching another final that we've... We, well, we haven't reached the final yet, so not even another final. Our first final since the auto windscreen shield in, uh, in 1998. Um, and the chaos engine on the pitch was matched only by the chaos of the storm uh, that headed mm-hmm. over Dean Court. And I thought, like, to, to actually provide entertainment in those conditions with someone else. And, and 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 like I said, it was it was a basketball match, which upset me a little bit. Like later, like later on in the week, if that makes sense, when I saw a certain player limp off at the Etihad, mm-hmm. I just thought we've played him three times in a week, and one of those games was end to end chaos engine. Um, and it and it may have long-term ramifications for us. We don't know yet, but uh, out of the League Cup again, we can only focus on the FA Cup now, which I'm sure we will. <laughs> Definitely, Steve. Yeah, Alex Scott, I was thinking that if he was starting against Liverpool, he was probably going to be rested against Manchester City, which we'll come up to, but he was in there. It did feel like Andoni was going for this game. We've heard that he goes for cup competitions in La Liga in Spain. And it was like he had an opportunity to progress to the quarters. And as I said, it was opening itself up for Premier League teams, at least. We're going to leave that competition. We ended up being one of them. But there were four changes in that side. But I was pretty happy with the side as we were in the tent behind the Ted Mack preparing for the game. Well, we nearly weren't in the tent. It nearly got blown away, as James has <laughs> rightly pointed out. But yeah, there was there was a few changes in there. But I thought, you know, actually talking about the storm, I thought that sort of helped us a little bit because it, it made that chaos engine of a game, uh, as James has spoke about again. It was the, the every time the ball went up in the air, it was all over the show. Defenders weren't reading it. It was creating a bit of it was creating chances for either side um, and which, like James said, made it a bit, more, a bit more of a basketball game. I thought we competed really well with Liverpool, albeit uh, a slightly weakened Liverpool. It's not their first string, but, you know, we went to toe-to-toe with them and uh, you know again we went one nil down and you think oh gets the big side we could drop our heads easily here and put you know think oh this is going to be another paste in and it and it wasn't and uh, anyway credit to the lads because I thought they played you know played really well and um show that we can compete with the top sides and um it, it is a bit of a shame because I think that the, the cup draw has really sort of opened up. I did predict a one-all and we might we might sneak it on penalties. And I was so close to that until obviously the inevitable Darwin comes on and just, you know, the the, the irony of us all jeering him for the bad touch. And um, 
literally him just sticking two fingers up, taking a touch and wh whipping one in the top left ankle. Uh, yeah, it was no right hand corner, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, showed us. But yeah, unfortunate because we could have got, you know, we could have got through. Who did they get in the end? Sorry, I didn't. I, I sort of turned West off. Ham West Ham at home, I think. Uh, it's not bad. Yeah, it's a winnable game. So mm. uh, it's a shame, but we gave it a good. We gave it a good uh, fist. Yeah, we'll talk about Justin Kluivert's first goal for Bournemouth official goal, Aaron, in a bit. I mean, I was happy with the performance. I thought we were going to get to penalties. I predicted. I think off offline, I predicted getting to penalties would be a good good performance and a, and a good showing. I do look at the goals. Right, and do feel like we could have done a little bit more again, like many times this season. I've spoken about not being gr happily happy about having every player back in in the box for corners. That's what happened from the first goal, and it ended up being a, a sort of second phase shot at the edge of the area, spilled by Radu, and I think Gakpo puts it away. And I might be really harsh here, Aaron, but for the second goal for Nunes, I just feel like Mepham lets him cut in on his right and get the shot away. It feels like. You just send him to his left. I might be critical, but maybe could have done a little bit more. But you've got to hand it to Nunes once he gets your shot away. Yeah, no, I mean, for the first goal, I think we've spoken a lot about our set-piece defending. Um, and it's not so much... I mean, I've got a bit of a bugbear at bringing everyone back. But if you're going to do that, then at least have someone on the edge of the area. Because how many times have we seen us clear it and, you know, from the edge of the area, be it Burnley, Liverpool, countless other times I can think of. So Arsenal. if you're not going to... Yeah, if you're not going to keep one or two up on the halfway line, then at least have someone at the edge of the box to, to kind of stop those shots. Second one, maybe a little bit harsh on Meps. I think, um, I mean, we saw last night that, that the Nunes 99 times out of 100 wouldn't have done what he just did because he, he missed two absolute sitters last night um, against Luton, which didn't do us a great favour. But then he pulls the top draw one out against us, which is just typical the way things are going at the moment. But um, maybe showed him on the wrong side, but there's still a lot of work to do. So I don't think you can put too much too much blame them. Um, I was really encouraged overall with the performance on on uh, Wednesday night. I really was. I came away thinking, you know, look, obviously I wanted to progress. I'd love to get to a cup final. I think that's kind of the the one thing on the bucket list that we haven't done yet as a as a you know as a football club get to a major cup final. Um, so whilst a lot of people prioritise quite rightly staying in the Premier League, um, there's an argument to be said that you know you, you can never get rid of a memory of a cup final, um, just getting there and the, everything that surrounds that. So, yeah, as, as James said, we've still got the FA Cup. But I was really encouraged, as I said. I, I came away with quite a good feel good on the back of the Burnley result, um, the Burnley performance. Um, we went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Liverpool, as, as Steve said. I, I was really encouraged. They had chances, but we had chances. We, we missed, you know, two or three really, really good chances. Um, but we gave ourselves a really good, really good showing, and, and and it was topped off. The best part of the night was I got back to Bournemouth in half an hour because the wind blew me up the motorway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steve, I'm always interested, Steve, when we're talking about defending, and I think we've had conversations about our defending from corners. But how can you have everyone back in the box and a free shot comes in for a second phase on the edge? I, I just don't get it because I want at least a man on the halfway line. Maybe I'm a little bit old fashioned, but your thoughts on on us defending corners and set pieces? Yeah, it, it's not. I mean, I used to have a real problem with the zonal marking. Now it just seems like what we're trying to do is just flood the box completely. So we're we're kind of just compressing the space um, and hoping that our dominance in numbers will see us through. But I think what it's done in a couple of games, and Liverpool's a prime example, uh, is when that ball breaks to the edge of the box, where, as Aaron's pointed out, we don't seem to be marking anyone on the edge of the box. I've, I've been saying this for weeks now. We've We've and, and we get on to Man City because it was a it was apparent again there. And 
if if you're a decent enough team with decent guys that can strike a ball, you put them on the edge of the box and it comes out and this is where the first goal comes from. It's a, it's a strike. And having that amount of bodies in the box just creates a bit of carnage, chaos, because it can take a deflection, go all sorts of areas and it just falls for Gakpo um, and he puts it in. And so, uh, I can understand the thinking behind it, but it's not really paying any dividends. We're not really doing any marking. We're just sort of trying to rely on the numbers to get us out of trouble. Um, and like you said, when you haven't even got an out ball, um, it's giving them nothing to worry about from from an attacking point of view from our side. So they don't have to worry. They can just sort of hang around on the edge of the box, two, three, however many, um, and wait for that ball to get half cleared and have pot shots. Um, I think it's a, it's a little bit, well, it's a, it's a strange tactic that I've never seen before, really. Um, don't get it. Um, don't particularly want to keep seeing it either. No, but a lot of managers and a lot of football teams do bring everyone back. As I've said previously, Eddie Howe even did it when he was head coach of Bournemouth. But James, looking at the positives from that, your guy, the guy we all love at the moment, Alex Scott, did start in this fixture. He did pick up an ankle injury really early, and I thought that might see the end of that game for him. But he stayed on. He hobbled on a little bit throughout also. But he's showing that he's very good from set pieces. He's taking corners at the moment. That would lead to the goal from Justin Cliver at the back post. First headed goal, I think, in his whole career. Great for Justin Cliver to get a goal in his Bournemouth career. Alex Scott, though, giving us deliveries we've all been crying out for. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to come on to Alex Scott in a minute. I don't need an invitation to talk about that man. But what I will say is this. Did you do you know that Justin Cliver, if he scores in the Premier League, I think he's scored. He'll be one of only two players to have scored in the top division of every World sort of countries. major major country yeah. in Europe. Is that a major yeah. footballing country in Europe? Is that right? Like La Liga? Yeah. Uh, yeah, do you know, do you happen to know who the other one is? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> Esteemed. No, I don't either. But... <laughs> oh, okay, it, might, it might be a first. I don't know. They were talking about it because I had the radio on for the first half and I was there listening to it. It was on Talk Sport and Stuart Pearce was, was posed a question and he can answer. And I think he might be the first one. I don't know. Um, but... What made that goal brilliant was the fact that a lot of, like, uh, oh, God, I don't like saying things that get me in trouble. What made that goal brilliant was that Justin Clivert didn't have to do a lot to score it because the delivery was so good. Um, and yeah. we haven't had a good set piece taker since Stanislas, let's be fair. And, and he was inconsistent at best, not with his delivery, but just with his availability through injuries. It's lovely to see the fact that we might actually be dangerous from set pieces because I used to like, sit back in my chair when we get a corner for the last, what, four or five seasons because there's just a mind-numbing, there was a mind-numbing inevitability for about three or four seasons under Parker that we were, well, three or four seasons ago under Parker that we were just going to play short corners everywhere. And then there was just this this complete lack of, I, I don't understand this in football either. They, they're professional footballers. They train every week and you can't find one person in your team to deliver an in-swinging corner at pace. Mental. Like one person that might be able to do that. You know, you've, you've practiced all week swinging these balls, kicking a football. That's your job. And we just seem devoid of having that player until Alex Scott turns up and he looks dangerous. And this looks promising for us. Um, we might be able to play him with like, you know, dodgy knee and whatever. He might not have to run in a game to be valued to this team. We might be able to play him just to take corners. How about that? <laughs> well, the way it's going at the moment in football, the way it's going in the more at the moment in football, we could just bring him off, take a kick, take him back off. You know what I mean? Who knows? Exactly. Um, yeah. That. Who knows where the game is going? 
So that was our exit in the League Cup against Liverpool. Good performance and would take us on to the Etihad to play Manchester City. Now, fair play to any fans that went to this game because we pretty much know what the outcome is going to be. It's going to be 14 attempts at trying to get a Premier League point against Manchester City. Now, Aaron, the interesting thing for me is what Andoni and his team, his team he's inherited, was going to do in this fixture. Did he go with what served him well in the last two or would he switch it up? Switched it up. It looked like it was a back three, back five. That would actually become what we would see early on in the fixture. We've seen many head coaches, AFC Bournemouth managers, be burnt by the back three and back five. I can only imagine it was an attempt to keep the score down. We did sort of do okay for 30 minutes, but once the first goal went in, the floodgates opened. And then you sort of have to think about whether that was the best strategy to go into this fixture. Yeah, look, I think it's one of the damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because I think ultimately, if we'd have gone, um, really gone for City with a back four and tried to, you know, attack them, attack them, attack them, they would have picked us off. We could have probably been the same result and everyone would have been like, well, that's just naive and stupid. But what we did do was go with the back five, certainly in the first half. And I think Andoni made a pretty, pretty apparent at the end of, uh, in his interview after the game, that it was a back five, but he didn't really want us to play the way we did in the first half. He, he made it quite apparent that we wanted to play like we did in the second half. Still a back five, but we were markedly improved in the second half, albeit Man City kind of had won the game by then. I get that. But um, so I, I kind of think it's one of those ones where it probably wouldn't have made a difference, in my opinion. I'll be totally honest with you. And I think, look, they won the first half 3-0. They won the second half 3-1. Um, so who knows what could have happened? We managed to hold them for 30 minutes, which I was delighted about. You know, my, my worry in all these games is they go a goal up after three minutes and then it's kind of then what the hell do you do for the rest of the game? So I guess from that perspective, the back five or whatever whatever, it, and, and, and everything else worked because they didn't score for 30 minutes. They didn't actually, apart from Harlan hitting the post, with, when Kelly actually did well to challenge him, they didn't look like they were going to... You know, the, it didn't look like they had a real opportunity to score in that first 30 minutes. And we were frustrating them. And it was a matter of time. I get that. I don't think any of us really felt we were going to hang on. But what it did was it kept us in the game for the 30 minutes. Unfortunately for that, we had then a mad seven minutes where they scored three goals. So, um, you know, that was the killer because it was bang, bang, bang. Um, but second half, you know, I know we'll come on to that. I thought second half, we, we probably played the way Andoni wanted us to, which is what he said. You know, we, we scored an offside goal, which was quite tight. We Dom hit the bar. We actually did score a goal. Um, and I, I personally think, and it sounds ridiculous having lost 6-1, I personally think there were elements which actually weren't that bad. And I don't think it was a 6-1 game. It sounds ridiculous. They, they had eight shots and scored six of them. Um, they were massively clinical. Um, and I think they're the most clinical team in the league by far. And they were absolutely clinical. I'm not one for XG. I know John's not here tonight, but I, I'm, you know, I don't understand really any of this XG stuff. But XG said they it was a two, it would have been a you know, two point something. So it wasn't a 6-1 game. But it is what it is. Um, personally, at halftime, all I cared about was Alex Scott. I couldn't care if they scored 25 mm. goals at that stage. But but yeah, look, I think it's harsh to criticise the setup. I don't think, I, 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 well, I don't know for sure. I would be amazed if Andoni sets up for any other game. He didn't at Liverpool, for any other game than maybe Man City away. I'd be very surprised if he does that. Yeah, James, it feels like when you do set up with a back three or a back five, it's about how you approach when you get on the ball. Because if you just think about sitting deep, containing, it very rarely works. You might see it once in a blue moon. I mean, 
pardon the pun there, but you might see it every now and again. But really, you can't shut out teams like Manchester City. So you need to have some sort of output in a back three or a back five. If it doesn't really matter, though, because we know we lose every game to Manchester City in the Premier League, do you play Alex Scott three games in a row when he's played barely any football when you know you've got bigger games coming up? No, you don't. And I was more, uh, probably the decision for me would be not to play him on the cup game midweek in the middle of a storm. I think that's the game I would have given him a rest for. Um, I, I agree. I agree with, I agree with Aaron. It, it, it was, it was, they were, they were so clinical. And that lad Doku's just a hell of a talent. What, what a player, what a footballer he is. Um, and, and those seven to eight minutes in the first half where they just tore us apart um, with real precision in front of goal. Um, highlighted the difference in class, not necessarily the way that the teams were set up. I, for my money, I think if we if we say that Liverpool and Man City are on a more even footing than than we are to Man City, for example, I felt that we were more dangerous um, and more convincing away at Liverpool with that set up than we were away at Man City, especially for the first half. And I think with our record against Manchester City and the fact that it's a free hit, you you can't go in kamikaze, but you can't compromise your beliefs and your ethics as a manager for the sake of one team that you're going to get beaten by anyway if you park the bus. So I think it's worth going for, particularly with players like Semenyo on the bench, who are the perfect players to play on the counter-attack when you're not going to have a lot of possession over and above mm. players like Christie who are going to run around and close down space when you've already closed down space because you're parking men behind the ball. I would rather have seen Tavernier on one side, Semenyo on the other as battering rams on, on the break and on the counter-attack. And I think that would have given us a real chance. Um, but, I mean, like you say, it's just, it is depressing when you think about that fixture because I'd, I'd be interested to know from Steve, like I've been offered opportunities to go to the Etihad before and have turned them down because I just don't want to go. And I know that might, might make, make me sound like there's going to be certain fans that don't appreciate that, but I just don't, I, I just don't, it, it's everything I hate about Premier League football, in, 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 in fact. So what motivated you, Steve? And I know that you're a very motivated guy and a very loyal Bournemouth fan, but what was, what, what, how did you feel going to the Etihad, you know, this past weekend? I'd be interested to know those thoughts. Well, there is always, a, there's always that, that hope that kills you, James, as you probably know. <laughs> and it's like, I think it's more that, you know, had I had I not gone to Spurs away last season, I wouldn't have experienced that. And 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 I presumed we would have lost that. Well, I did think we'd lose that game before beforehand. But there's that not you know, there's a small percentage chance that something might go our way and we will upset the apple cart. Um, and I think that's what it is that drives me on. Plus the fact that one of my boys hadn't been before and it's quite a huge stadium for for the for the for the Litlands to sort of you know be in awe of so sort of thing but it, you're right it is it's a pretty <laughs> it's a horrific experience especially when you're goaded by 14 year old lads who are sort of positioned themselves intent you know intentionally right next to the away fans just so they can get the do it every, get the badge in. yeah all their back yeah with their mobile phones all game going, you know, putting it all on YouTube, you know, it does great. But um, 
I don't know. How bad was how bad was this? How bad was the city fans in the away end? Because I read about that as well. Yeah, that was pretty bad as well. There was someone, yeah, yeah. There, was someone there. There was quite a few tourists. There was a big. Um, there's about I'd say probably dozen Asian gentlemen um, w- sort of walking into our entrance before the game. Quite clearly, weren't Bournemouth fans. Um, so that, but you know, if we haven't sold our allocation, uh, you know, it kind of. I don't know where you go with that really what what the answer is because they're obviously wanting to sell tickets and i guess that's what we're doing now because we're seeing you know in our home and we're digressing a little bit from the game sorry no 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 but um going back to the game what was interesting what you were saying because um i i I actually didn't mind the the five four it it was really a five four one sort of thing to me and we just looked to be for the first half an hour. I thought we executed it quite well. We were really limiting them on space. We were tight to them. We were tracking runners. We were doing everything correctly. Um, I thought Zabani absolutely marked hard and out the game. Apart from that one chance he had with the header, didn't really think he had a touch. And then what we did have was the we were a lot. It was going for the long ball on the on the break. Hit it up quick to Dom Tav or well, it wasn't so much Christie because he wasn't wasn't really up there which is why I agree with James we should have probably had Semenyo um on the other side so we had that outlet as well Don was excellent Don really his hold up play was really good um and it's just a shame that we couldn't really support him as quickly as we wanted to the one thing City did that I thought was very clever because they obviously come up against this quite a lot is that what they do when they go forward the one player they really that doesn't go forward that much is um is Carl Walker and every time we hit a long ball up to Tav, you had Carl Walker in a foot race with him and he just beat him every time. And Tav's quick, uh, but Carl Walker is something else in the flesh, honestly. He is mm. so rapid. And the guy's 32, 33, I believe. Mm. So, I mean, hats off to him. But it was obviously something they they worked on, something they've, you know, they've obviously had shots across the bow before against, you know, with teams doing this and trying to hit them on, the, you know, not leaving John Stones there but leaving Walker there so that pe- people can't hit them on the counter-attack. And they, and they and he just lapped it up. Getting on to our, the goals we let in, that crazy... I'm going to go back to individual errors because until that point, we were solid and we didn't put a foot wrong. First goal, I'm going to point the finger at Radu a little bit on this one. And we go back to the Neto thing of punching the ball. Mm. He has a cross come in, which is recycled to the for the goal. He's under no pressure. He can catch the ball. He chooses to punch it. Goes out to the edge of the box. What we spoke about before, they got players on the edge of the box. And they just, you know, it's a quick one too. And 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 Doku's scored. Second one, Tavernier caught on his heels, watches Bernardo Silva, walks into the box, doesn't track him. Doku puts Mepham on his backside, really, spins him round and round in circles and just plays a little ball to, to Bernardo and he's got a side foot finish. And then I think that point, it just, the heads went a little bit. The third one's a deflection, and then they really dropped. Hmm. Then they changed the whole team. We had a little bit of a huff and puff in the second half for about 10 minutes. But then, you know, breakaway goal again. Kirk has caught upfield. Simple ball behind. And we're 4-1. Uh, no, sorry, that was the fifth. The Foden one. Yeah, we're just uh, Rothwell for me. Just watches Foden and just it doesn't track him. And let me not start, well, I'm going to start, about the sixth goal. Because I'm sorry, but if you can't get goal side of your man, then you shouldn't be a professional footballer at the Premier League level. And I'm pointing my finger at um, Max Aaron's there. 
Mm. Nathan Ake's goal side of him and he tries to get around him. And it's just basic, silly errors. Um, if we, the first 30 minutes, we, we really didn't allow that to happen. And then we made a couple of mistakes, dropped the heads. And you can't do that against City. Yeah. Aaron, talking Sorry of Aaron's. <laughs> I mean, Max Aaron's did get an assist for Sinistera, who come off the bench and got his first goal for AFC Bournemouth. Jane Anthony apparently was in the stands. So I'm not sure what he's thinking. Yeah, that was interesting. Sinistera <laughs> scores. It's just a shame it was 6-1. I'm sure we were going there. Want to give them a game. Some teams have given them games there. Look, Manchester City have won every game at the Etihad this season. And it goes even deeper into last season as well. They're very good at home. They're very good in the world. And it's and it's a tough fixture. You just want to try and keep the dump number down and, and see if you can come away well, that's with the point, your head. Kirk. Yeah. Keep the number down. It, it's it's kind of a, a, an air of inevitability of losing to City. And have we not yeah. made two or three individual errors... And Tom spoke about it on the back of the net thing. Mm. It's like, why do we always, or sorry, why do we never compete with them? Mm. Um, and when you make silly mistakes like that, that game could have, it wasn't a 6-1 game. No. You know, like you said, they were clinical and we made mistakes that allowed them to be clinical. But we do feel like we're talking like this every week, Aaron, before Burnley. Um, yeah, well, players' mistakes, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it must be infuriating for Andoni because I think we're beginning to see, you know, progress and and you know it's, it's trying to implement his philosophy we certainly saw that a bit more against Burnley and, and against Liverpool in parts as well and even some some breaks yesterday and, and earlier on in the season so but it must be infuriating for him when you know individual errors are costing game plans and against a team like Manchester City you're not going to get away with it you're just not um and yeah it, it is difficult I mean it's interesting because people like Aaron's and Kirkers actually for me are perfect wingbacks they are mm -hmm. the perfect wingbacks because they're both great going forward both quick and excellent so and, you know, ultimately, you know, Meps is playing well, Zabani. We know Kelly's best position is a, is a left of a back three. I think we've always said that. So, you know, we've got the setup for it. I don't want to see it more often than not, to be honest with you. But I don't think it was such a bad uh, bad thing uh, against uh, against Manchester City. I mean, regarding Alex Scott, you mentioned him earlier. Um, I don't know. I, it's difficult. It's, it wasn't a muscle injury. If it had been a muscle injury, if it had pulled a hamstring or a groin or, or whatever it might have been or, or a quad then then I think a lot of fingers would have been pointed at playing three games in in that short period of time but it, it wasn't a you know it wasn't a muscle injury it was a contact injury which which we're still hoping fingers crossed isn't as as, as serious as as it looked at the time when he was crying down the tunnel I mean we I think we all hanging on every word that everyone's saying at the moment and and from afterwards Andoni said he's more he was more optimistic at the end of the game but until you have it scanned which I assume is today we won't we won't know so, look, if he's out of the Newcastle game, we'll deal with it. If he's back for the Sheffield United game, then brilliant. Anything longer than that, then it's it's a problem. Anything long term, it's a massive problem. But, yeah, I don't, I, I think they would have looked, I think they would have spoken to Alex. He knows his body as well. I think, I, I think, um, as I said, if it had been a muscle injury, I'd, I'd have felt a bit more, a bit more frustrated with that decision. But it was, a, it was an impact injury, which could have happened, I guess, to, to anybody at that stage. And unfortunately, Rodri came in and, and basically real, you know, there's a big clash of legs there. But we're all, we're all keeping our fingers crossed. James, for my sort of final thought on this before part two comes out later in the week, I think it makes it really interesting now what Andoni does going into the Newcastle and the Sheffield United game. Now he's sort of rolled this dice with the back three and the back five. I'd love to know, James, whether this is something Andoni's literally 
always been thinking about when it comes to Manchester City or whether he's had an influence from Tommy Elphick and Sean Cooper because I'll keep highlighting that Iriola has none of his own real staff. He's right-hand man, hasn't got a work permit. He's only got a fitness coach. I would just love to know how they got to this thinking of a back three, back five. I'm not saying it's wrong, but you've not done it yet. And then suddenly you do it against the best team in the world. Yeah, and, and it's... A- it's bizarre that not that more isn't being made out of this issue with his team not being here. Does that make sense? I, 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 it, it, you have to dig a little bit on social media to sort of find anyone really talking about it. I'm not sure any of the local press have really sort of made made a thing of it. I, I mean, I would imagine, I would imagine it was Andoni's decision to 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 go with that, um, and ultimately, you know, it was to try and utilise these wing backs, you know, in Aaron's and in Kirkes. Um, to try and get them as 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 far forward as possible. From the times I've seen seen us play this season, it's it seems to me that they're pushing on. Aaron's and Kirkes are showing no no shyness in coming forward, but the actual communication and the and and the play, you know, the the interaction with the wingers in front of them isn't quite there yet. In the way that the overlap seemed to happen naturally under you know wingers that we had in the past, fullbacks that we had in the past, you know, working upside with with Wilson and King and and Pew and and, and all of that, you know, the the when when we were really firing, we had wing backs and wingers working in unison well together. And I don't point the finger of blame at anyone at that. That's just going to take time. It is a it's a you know it's a massive adjustment with the with the massive number of players that we brought in to try and get them clicking and get them working together. They're not bad players. I believe with time it will happen. Um, I don't think he's going to go back to a back five on very many occasions this season. Mm. And Steve, that would see us fall into the relegation zone at the end of the weekend because Luton got a draw at home to Liverpool. I still say week in, week out, we are not winning many football matches, but one win does get us back out again. And this is sort of pivotal to what's happening. But a Luton side, that looked very familiar to a Bournemouth side that had a first season in the Premier League. Yeah, and do you know what? Hats off to them, and that's no pun intended either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> literally dawned on me as I was saying that. Um, no, I watched the game. It was um, they were they were good value for the draw, and um, they were they must have felt a bit heartbroken to have it, to have gone to a draw because they they really stuck in there and dug deep, and like you say, really showed some you know, a togetherness, a team spirit, um, similar to what we had when we came up the first time with Eddie, with the, you know, the the group of players that have been together for a while, a few new additions here and there. Really like that um, left-sided winger they've got. Hell, hell uh, you know, he's just so fast. Mm-hmm. Kept leaving Alexander-Arnold in his way. I, I can't, uh, I can't, can't think of his name at the moment, but really, really good. Um, they've got some decent players in there. And I and I said at the beginning of the season, I think they'll keep their heads above the dotted line. I hope it's not our expense, but at the moment, it looks mm. like it's a four-horse race. And although we could get out of the relegation zone, it literally, there's a, I think there's a five or six-point gap to Everton already, um, mm. which, you know, at this early stage, I hope that can be pulled back because we want to pull some other teams in there because, you know, to rely on one team you know, one space, sorry, being available is a is a bit of a tightrope. Can I just make a point back to what I was saying earlier? Is that I'm not look, I'm not having a go at the lads for the the, for the weekend, but what what I am saying because I thought actually there wasn't someone that you would stick out and say had a really poor performance. 
Um, and I think we did see what Andoni was trying to do with the goal. That was an overlapping fallback um, to the other side, you know, cross goal. And there were moments we weren't getting. Uh, but what I'm trying to, what I was trying to say was, you cannot make those sort of little lapses in concentration, mm. have those little individual areas against a side as quality as City. That's all it was. I'm not having a go at the boys. I thought they, you know, gave it their best shot. Um, and let's not be, you know, let's not beat around the bush. City have done this to many other teams, not just us. Um, yeah, absolutely, James. But at the end of the day, we have to stop now because I've said weeks ago that we keep shooting ourselves in the foot. And when you see Sheffield United now pick up their first Premier League win, it is going to get tighter and tighter as the season kicks on. And it's probably going to be a small number when we get to the end. There's many Premier League weekends to come, but it's probably not going to take 38 points to keep you up. No, it's not. I've, I've, I've said it. I, I think it's going to be the lowest points total needed to stay up this season. Um, and I, one thing I will say is that so far, we haven't seen, to Steve's point, we haven't seen the team drop their heads. Mm. We haven't seen the team not come out and, and, and run and give 100% you know, for, for the cause. I just think it's a matter of training, of drilling, of getting these systems and these formations and these plays in place, and then the quality will shine through. That's I I fully believe that, and it's just going to take time. He's weathered the storm because he's got that win, he's got that win, mm. albeit against a very very poor Burnley team. We were we were a bit giddy afterwards, but you know on reflection that that Burnley performance wasn't great. Um, something will, results will come our way, and it may only take that one result really for us to a bit of belief bit of belief for the guys and allow us to kick on I think yeah we did say Aaron last week I know you weren't here but we can't get too carried away we were going to enjoy it it's been a long time since we had a Premier League win but there are games coming up we're going to talk about one in part two there are going to be opportunities well it's a tough fixture on Saturday but there are opportunities coming up at Bramble Lane where we can pick up some more Premier League points yeah, no, of course. You know, arguably we've had our two hardest games of the season, Liverpool away and Man City away. Historically, for us, have always been real, real hard ones. You know, we seem to have obviously we won at Spurs last year. We all seem to give Arsenal a bit more of a game. But, but yeah, look, look at those. Those the two of them have gone. They're done for the season. Um, and I think you know, I think I think there's lots to come. I think there's 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 plenty of opportunities for points. As James said, there's not going to be a huge total needed. I've still got full confidence. We do look like we're adrift at the moment. Forest beating Villa also wasn't great. Took them took them away. Um, in some respects, Sheffield United beating Wolves wasn't the worst thing because you know, yes, you want Sheffield United to keep losing, but if Wolves had won, then they're kind of almost out of it. So you want to try and keep as many teams in as possible. So yeah, lots of twists and turns to come, and not panicking yet. We not do panicking put, yet. So, oh, sorry, sorry, Kurt, sorry to jump in. Sorry, I forgot one point. Um, we do want to. There is a need to do that, though, because looking ahead at our fixture list, our final three fixtures are away at Arsenal, home to Brentford, and then we end away at Stamford Bridge uh, at Chelsea. Mm. That's what May looks like for us. So if we can do what we did last season and get safe middle of April, that would be lovely. If, if not even sooner, that would be lovely. So we may need some points soon, James. Is that what you're saying? That's what we're saying, yeah. I think it's a good point to maybe end part one this week in Cherries in Focus, episode seven. So you need to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Do follow the podcast. Do hit the like button and give us your thoughts as we talked about Liverpool and Manchester City. But we are going to now turn our attentions to part two later in the week. Thank you, Steve. Join me back for part two, please.
Yeah, I might do if you behave yourself. <laughs> James, let's come back for part two and let's look at the Magpies and Eddie Howe. Let's shake up this colour scheme. We'll come back for part two. <laughs> and Aaron, if you want to do a colour change of your top, maybe, maybe not. But let's come back for part two. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's onwards and upwards. Thank you for checking part one out. We'll see you on the next one. Up, cherries. Up, the cherries.